Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. God bless you, CWC Bay Area family this morning. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Amen. It is so good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. And if you haven't noticed already, if you've got a seat that happened, didn't happen to have one of these, uh, look around you. There's a seat next to you that has not only the communion elements for later on, but also a This Is Us pamphlet to give you a heads up on who we are, what we're about. And our series right now that we're going over is called This Is Us. And last week we talked about our why. Why do we exist? Why are we here? What is CWC Bay Area all about? And until you know your why, you are not going to be able to operate in your what or your how. So when we know why we exist, it helps carry us through. And so you can even take notes in the very back of this. Not only does it show our core values, it shows our, our, our why and so forth. But in the back, there's also a place for you to take notes where you could take notes on this morning's message and follow along with us as well. Amen? Amen? Would you do me a favor, stand to your feet. Let's get into the word this morning. I want to welcome our online campus, Angela Hernandez, who's watching, Rosie Fong. I want to welcome Lonnie uh, Rivera as well, and Linda Garcia, just a few people that are joining us. Give them a round of applause for joining us this morning. And let's get into the word. Uh, it, th this isn't on, on the screen. This scripture's not on the screen, but I want to share it with you as our launching pad this morning. In the book of John chapter 12, verse 27, there's a situation that takes place here. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And as Jesus is about to head to the cross, he finds himself in the garden of Gethsemane. And it's in the garden of Gethsemane, he prays one of the most famous prayers we've ever, we, we remember where he prays this, Father, if it be your will, let this cup, what? Pass from me. You see, even as we got Jesus, as he got closer to his destiny, was still questioning the how, not the why, but the how, the method by which salvation was going to come to mankind. And so just because you know your why, doesn't always mean that you agree with the how. Because the how is difficult at times. And Jesus recognized in order to bring salvation, he was going to have to go to the cross. And so in a very intimate moment with his father, he says, my soul is deeply troubled. Have you ever been in a place of trouble? No, you're not listening to me. Have you ever been in a place of trouble? Have you ever been in a place where you had more month than you had money? Have you ever been in a place where you, your body was sick and the doctor said there's no hope? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where it seems so helpless? Jesus is this at that point and he says, should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this very reason I came. Let me let you understand this principle. No matter how spiritual you are, you cannot pray out the process. Say it again, Pastor. You, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Jesus couldn't even pray out the process. He had to walk through the process. He had to go through the process in order for God's purpose to come about in his life. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Everyone says... 
You may be seated this morning. You see, when you know your purpose and your, your values, it keeps you on track. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Distractions are part of life. In fact, if you were to take a look at the life of Christ, you're going to find that pretty much every single miracle Jesus did was not planned, but it was a result of an interruption. Whether it was Jesus getting to the other side of the lake and finding Jairus there waiting for him, a religious leader, as they move on, as Jesus is going to heal Jairus' daughter, they find out that she dies. While in the crowd, a woman comes up behind him and touches the hem of his garment. He's interrupted. And then they find out the child's died and they tell him, don't, don't, don't uh, bother the teacher anymore. And Jesus tells him, if you just believe, stay with the process. Don't give up in the process. Distractions try to get us offline. Things are going to come up in your life that are going to try to distract you from what God has for you and your family. But I came to tell you that, that the distraction all very many times will open up the doors to miracles in your life. See, I love what Francis Chan said. He said this, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but our greatest fear should be succeeding at things that don't really matter. We're getting distracted on many things instead of doing the things God called us to. So today, I want to talk to you about the core values of CWC Bay Area. Last Sunday, I talked to you about our why. Why do we exist? We exist because of you, to love God, love people, and to change the world and change the environment of people. But I want you to understand, what are our values? What are our non-negotiables? Listen carefully. When the rain starts falling, it's too late to build the ark. When the rain started falling, Noah couldn't say at that point, okay, now let me put this thing together. Noah had to obey God when things were calm. So that when the storms showed up, he was already prepared for the storm that arise. I came to tell you this morning that many of you are in struggle. You're, many of you are in discord. Many of you are going through crisis in life because you have yet to make the decision before the rain came, before the storm showed up. You have to make a choice today to start obeying God while things are good so that when the storm ends up showing up, you are already prepared for what that storm brings. Oh, come on, Pastor, you're preaching already right now. So I want to talk to you about our non-negotiables. What do we believe in? What are our core values? If, you, if you've joined with us, you don't join a church because you love its worship. Even though I think we got great worship. You don't join a church because you like preacher. Even though I think you got a good preacher. You don't join a church because you like the facilities. You join a church because you connect with the mission. You connect with the purpose. There you connect with the vision. You, there's something in you that says, you know what? I agree with what they're doing. I, I want to partner with what they're doing. And I want to be part of what God is doing there. Too many times we choose churches based on what it can do for us rather than how we can add to the kingdom. Five things I want to cover very quickly, and you could follow along with us right here where it shows our core values in, the, in this little booklet here. And I want to thank my daughter, Jacqueline, for putting this together. Did a phenomenal job in uh, compiling this. But what is our, last week I went over our vision, love God, love people, and change the world. Today, I want to talk to you about our core values, half of them. Our first value is what? Is what? Growth. Growth. Growth is our first value. 
We value growth. What am I saying? We believe that everything God created grows. There isn't anything in God's creation that God, God didn't create and then expected it to grow and then reproduce. Everything God created, in fact, Ephesians 4.15 puts it this way. Instead, speak the truth in love and we will, and we will, come on, work with me, and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And so everything God created was created to grow and replicate. So the book of Genesis puts it this way. Everything God created, he says, let it reproduce according to its kind. You don't see a dog producing a cat. You don't see an elephant producing a cow. Every animal, every species, every plant has designed in it seed to reproduce the exact same thing that it is. I love what Dr. John Maxwell says. He says this, we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. So uh, an angry parent is not going to produce a calm child. Say that, Pastor. I love, what, I love what Michael Pitt said years ago. He says when God is trying to deal with a character deficiency in our own life, and he can't get it right, we can't get it right in our lives, he gives us a little one just like us. The thing I, I, that bothers me the most about my kids are the areas in my life that I still struggle with. And I get mad at them that they haven't conquered it in 21 years when it's taken me 57 and I'm still struggling with it. Are you hearing me? And so we got to understand at times that growth is what God wants us to be. Increase. It's the opposite of stagnation. God created you to grow. Not just this way. Somebody say Amen. God created us to grow. Now, if I were to get a 40-year-old healthy person up here, but they were in a diaper, talking baby talk, crawling around, and not being able to make intelligible words, we wouldn't call that cute. We'd call it dysfunctional. Yet in the spiritual realm, how many of us have been in Christ for so long and yet you're still in diapers. You're offended the pastor didn't shake your hand or someone didn't say hello to you or someone gave you a look at church. You've been serving God for 40 years and you're still on the edge all the time. You're still getting offended at every little thing. Someone took my parking place. Someone didn't shake my hand. And like a little baby, you're sitting there crapping yourself and you're expecting the body of Christ to change you. If you've been in Christ for 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, there should be growth. We got to move on. See, there's something wrong when we stay the same. Come on, church. There's something wrong that if you've been in Christ for, for 10 years or five, five years or even 20 years and you still give the same, you still study the same, you still worship the same, you still give the same, you still know the same, you still struggle with the same things that you struggled with when you first got saved, there is a problem because there should be growth. how you're just staring at me right now 
thought we were going to get an encouraging sermon this morning. Yeah, you are. Grow up. Come on, church. See, God expects us to grow. If, and I love Bishop used to say, if something's not growing, it's dying. So if your walk with God isn't growing, guess what? You might have a pulse. But Jesus, when he rose from the dead, it would have been, he was gone, he was dead for how many days? If he would have resurrected with just a heartbeat on life support, coming out in a wheelchair, we would have been like, that's a miracle, right? Dead three days, came back to, but that's not what Jesus came back as. He came back in what we call Zoe life, Zonta. He came back alive, full of life, quality of life. And when Jesus comes into your life, he just doesn't want to improve your life. He wants to transform your life. He wants to take you from glory to glory to glory. Don't think you don't come to church to stay the same. We come to church because God loves us the same, but he wants to transform us into his image. Number two, someone say number two. Progress. Well, isn't progress the same as growth? No. They're different things. Progress, we believe that progress is necessary to follow Christ. In fact, 1 Timothy, Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 puts it this way. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your... Wrong scripture. So that your progress may be evident to all so that your progress would be evident to all. You see, progress is expected. Progress is required. That we, I've heard people say, you know, I've been married for 33 years, which me and my wife will be this year, 33 years. Amen. But if we haven't progressed... What we've really had is one experience 33 times. We haven't grown. We haven't, we haven't learned. We haven't shared. We haven't taken time to, to, to adjust and grow with each other and progress in our relationship. And there's many that have come to Christ and they haven't progressed. You know, you know the same amount of scriptures when you first got saved. None. You still show up at the same time. Late. Progress, advancement, has how, what's progress? It's evident. You can see it in someone's life. It's plain. That word evident means plain, clear, known. It means that something that can be seen also means the shining, something that's revealed. That when you are in Christ, all of a sudden there should be a progression that takes place. Progress and growth seem the same, but they're not. You can grow without progressing, but you cannot progress without growing. As followers of Christ, our progress should be made evident. You know what I usually hear from people that don't want to change? It's just the way I am. It's how God made me. And as an excuse for our rudeness, we say, I'm just telling the truth. Rudeness isn't one of the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus didn't say, 
Don't worry about the fruit of love if that's just how you are. There has to be a change. There has to be evidence. So when you walk in and I see lemon on you, you're a lemon tree. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling by your fruit who you are. Who you are is evident by the fruit you produce. Who we are as body, the body of Christ is evident based on the fruit we produce. Don't get mad at people for calling you a lemon tree if all you are producing are little yellow As followers of Christ, it should be evident. We can't have the same foul mouth, the same habits, or the same attitudes. There has to be a change. Come on, church. There has to be. So we value progression. We value progress is another word for change. If Christ is in me, someone say in me, then my lifestyle should change. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me, I love what Craig Rochelle said years ago. He says, if you tell me that the spirit of Michael Jordan is in you, when we step on the basketball court, you should display some basketball skill. You should be better than me, right? If Michael Jordan's spirit is in you, you should be able to do what Michael does. If we say that we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, but we're still cussing, we're still putting down, we're still gossiping, we're still, we're still attacking, and we're not building up, we're not encouraging, then what spirit is in you? It has to be progressive. We have to see it. Progress is about sticking to the promise because you cannot pray out the process. Some of you are like, I wish I went to a different church this morning. <laughs> Let me take you to number three. It's going to get gooder, okay? If I haven't offended you yet, stay with me. Hang, hang in there. Number three, our third core value is honor. Honor. Hit a nerve back there. Move, sister. Move. We believe in finding honor and value in everyone we meet. I I need you to to grab a hold of this, to to find value in everyone we meet. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 puts it this way. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. You know how many problems a church would have if we followed this? Every problem we have arise in the body is because someone's dishonoring someone else. And because we've been hurt, we've been offended, we've been damaged, we cannot find forgiveness. And the enemy knows if I could get you offended, I could keep you from forgiving. 
And if I can keep you from forgiving, I can keep you from making a difference in the world. I can get you so caught up in your own feelings, so caught up in your own drama, so caught up in what they said, he said, she said, what they did, and how they made me feel that we forget that we were created in the image of God. And Jesus told us to forgive our neighbor seven times 70. You don't know what they did to me. I don't need to. Jesus didn't give a caveat to it. That if they did this to your family, then you don't forgive. Honor doesn't mean we agree. And listen carefully, okay? Listen carefully, body. Because if you're part of CWC Bay Area, these are the qualities that need to operate in us. These are what we value. These keep us from having crisis as the time goes on. When we recognize this, honor doesn't mean we agree on everything. Say that again, Pastor. Honor doesn't mean we agree. And somehow people think that we have to agree on everything. Man, we can't even agree on where to go to lunch. <laughs> or what you want on your pizza. How are we going to agree on everything? But honor says this. I value our relationship more than being right. I love you more than being right. I love you more than fighting for this thing. I love the love of God in me makes me love you. And you know what? I'll let you have your way. I'll let you walk on that thing right now. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to value you because I value the friendship more than I value being right in this situation. Social media has killed honor. We don't honor because people deserve honor. We honor because we're honorable people. And honor releases blessing. See, when Jesus was ministering and he was going town to town, he walked into his hometown and he couldn't do many miracles. Why? Because they didn't honor him. If there is lack of miracles in your life, it's because there's lack of honor. When you need a supernatural move of God, don't expect God to show up where there's dishonor. Where you honor, it opens up blessing. Honor is the currency of heaven. Honor is the thing that brings the Holy Spirit into a situation. Honor. See, when you're, you're trying to heal a marriage and you keep attacking your wife and you keep attacking your husband, you are destroying the very honor that the marriage is built on. Honor creates an atmosphere of blessing. So give respect. Everyone repeat this with me. Give respect. Give respect. Even when it's not earned. Even when it's not seen. And even when it's not returned. You see, I need you to understand that honor has more to do with you than it does with the other person. Well, they said something that set me off. Well, you just gave them control over your life. And some of y'all are handing the remote control over to you to too many people of your lives. You're just handing it out. You have no control of your own life. You might as well be a television. Because people could change your channel at any time. And pause you, turn you up, turn you down, mute you. It's time to take control once again of your own life. So this morning, I declare a spirit of honor in this house. 
I pray a spirit of honor over you. I speak a spirit of honor in your marriage. I speak a spirit of honor in your family. I speak a spirit of honor at your employment. That you would stop talking smack about your boss. That you would walk in with the spirit of honor when you go to work. That you would walk in there with honor and do the work that God called you to do and represent the kingdom of heaven with honor. That wherever you go, that you do not enter into gossip, but that you're adding value to everyone you come in contact with. I declare a spirit of honor in your marriage, in your children, in your family, and in your businesses, and in this house. Don't you ever let me catch you talking bad about your pastors. Don't you ever let me talk hear, hear you talk bad about the ministers of this house. The Bible says, do not touch my anointed and do my prophets no harm. If you want to see all of hell open up against you, keep talking against God's anointed. We, we don't even worry about that anymore. I remember as kids, when, when they, they would, someone would start talking about the pastor, my mom and dad would say, stop. You don't do that. We, we don't want curse to come into this house. There was a level of honor in regards to the man of God. And I think we need to get back to that sense of honor once again, of recognizing those that God has placed in, in that, that place of authority. Number four, everyone say number four. Value. We value people. We believe every person is valuable regardless of their race, gender, age, or creed. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap or store in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I'm encouraging someone right now. Are you not more valuable than they if God takes care of the birds, how much more is he going to take care of you? And out of all creation, everything God created, mankind was his crowning creation. God loves man more than anything else. And he's saying, in comparison, if I take care of the birds, if I take care of the flowers of the fields, how much more am I going to take care of you? Don't you think that God knows about your needs? Don't you know that God knows about your sickness? Don't you know God knows about what's on your mind? He knows your trouble, and he cares for you. He loves you more than anything. He showed his love for you. The value of anything is based on what someone was willing to pay for it the son of God gave his life for you the creator of life see God did everything for mankind so your value has already been set I said your value has already been set How much is that? You, you've seen this. I know you've seen this in church. I've done it here before. I take this $100 bill and I crumple it up. How much is it worth? If I take the same 100 and I step on it, stomp on it, crush it, how much is it worth? If I put it in some not so nice places, 
a sweaty $100 bill now. What's it worth? And yet we see people that have been crushed, stepped on, put in some stinky situations, and we devalue them because we judge what they've gone through rather than the value that's been placed on them. Now, regardless of what this $100 bill went through, someone still wants it. No matter what this bill has gone through, its value has not changed. I don't care what you've gone through. It doesn't matter the divorce. It doesn't matter the addiction. It doesn't matter the abuse. It doesn't matter the, the struggles that you've gone through. All I know is that God has determined your value, and I can't can't take away your value. No one can just take away your value. God sets your value, not man. Your value has already been set. Nothing you go through, say this with me, nothing I go through will minimize, lessen, or remove my value. Someone needs to hear that this morning because some of you are feeling like you're damaged goods. I can't be used because of what I went through. I find throughout the word of God, it's the very people that blew it are the very ones God used. What people thought was going to disqualify them was the very thing that qualified them. Lastly, as the worship team comes, we're just going over five. Next week, we're going to go over the next five. Compassion. This is what we closed out last week with, was compassion as well. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, Compassion, we believe in not just a feeling of empathy for others, but becoming the remedy. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had, he had what? Compassion for them. Compassion means panic enough to do something about it. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want you to see the key to compassion as you look at this scripture in Matthew 9, 36. What's the first thing Jesus did? He what? He saw. There's a difference between Seeing and perceiving. We see people that are homeless, hurting. But what do we do? Just keep on going. We see them, but we don't see them. We see them, which causes us like the modern day Good Samaritan, like the priest that goes on the other side of the street. Don't want to be bothered. But that's not who we are. That's not who God called us to be. The key to compassion is seeing. Jesus saw. He saw their condition. And we are so caught up in our own condition that we can't recognize the condition of others. 
That's why it's so important that you get set free, that you get healed, that you forgive, that you let it go, because we can't make a change in a world that we are still stuck in. If the enemy can keep us so wrapped up in our own problems, we're not looking at making a difference in anyone else's life. The Bible says he saw it. He, in other words, he perceived, he experienced, he realized what their condition was. Compassion looks beyond what we see to what's really going on. And it's way too easy to pass by the wounded in life. Come on, those of you at home know what I'm talking about. It's not enough to feel empathy. We have to be moved to action. How can you make a difference? Do you realize that hell is filling up right now as we sit in church just to get through another week? We're so caught up in our own lives that we've stopped even trying to make a difference. It's like the little boy who is on the, the, the sands of the beach and the beach is filled with all these starfish. And one by one, literally thousands are on the, the beach and the little boy is walking the beach and he's throwing starfish into the water. The elderly man comes walking by and he sees the little boy throwing each one of the starfish into the water. He says, what are you doing? He goes, I'm saving starfish. And the cynical old man looked back at the kid and said, you're not going to make a difference out of all these thousands of starfish that are on the beach. Without a beat, the little kid with faith reached down to another one. He says, it'll make a difference in this one. And he threw it back into the water. Andy Stanley made this statement that I, that I hold on to. We might not be able to do something for everyone, but we can do something for someone. And what I wish I could do for everyone, do for one. What you wish you could do for everyone, do for one. Because church, do you realize as we talk about compassion, that the church is the vehicle, the organization that God has created to win the world. And if we remain silent, the world's going to hell. On these crosses, we have names of people that we're believing to come to Christ. But I want you right now to think, just, just close your eyes with me for a moment. Okay, wherever you're at, close your eyes. Even at home as well. To close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think of some people that you love that don't know Christ. You love them. Might not agree with their lifestyle. Might not agree with the things they're doing. But you love them. Now I want you to think about this. The trumpet sounds and those that are alive in Christ have been caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to heaven. This is it. It's done. All these years of struggle, all these years of battling, all these troubles that we've gone through, it's all 
done in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The book of John says, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when Christ shall return, we shall be like him because we will see him just as he is. We're in heaven. We're in glory. Now you look around. You look around in your mind and see that loved one's not there. See that that person that you care about didn't make it. Now you know for an eternity that person's going to burn in hell. But you knew. But I didn't want to offend them. But you knew. I didn't want to push them. But you had the truth. And yet we felt sorry for them, but we felt no compassion. We weren't moved to action. I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, and for my family and for our friends and our loved ones and for your family and your loved ones, I want to be able to tell the Lord, all present and accounted for. Everyone you entrusted to us made it, God. Everyone's here. Lord, I shared the word with everyone you told me to. I was honest that I gave your word to everyone you told me to share it with. Lord, I, I may, maybe at times he got mad at me. Maybe at times he got hurt with me. But God, I shared it. And today they're here in heaven celebrating with me today. Because I loved them enough to offend them. Loved them enough to push them. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.